0: Are you too tired, too broke, or too lazy to continue re- your education? Or do you just think that rural pastors don't need to keep learning on this episode of Rural Pastors Talk? Thank you for joining us for another edition of Rural Pastors Talk, a podcast that longs. Does the podcast long? A podcast by podcasters. We long. Who long? To see Christ's church in rural places healthy and thriving. We do this to just help equip men to lead healthy rural churches. My name is TJ Freeman. I am, by God's grace, the senior pastor of a healthy rural church located in the north central regions in Pennsylvania, where I am joined by two dudes.
1: Only one today, though. I- Thank you for clarifying sorry. that for me. I hadn't realized. <laughs> uh, my name is Joshua McLaren. I'm a pastoral assistant here at Wellsboro Bible Church.
0: And I was going to say, and we also have, and then let you play no, your, like your cricket soundtrack that you have oh, ready. It's not queued up, sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, we're missing Joe once again. We lied no. to Unintentionally. We, we did? We, we misinformed. Oh. Because we said Joe would be back. Yeah, we, yeah. And Joe is not back. You know why? Rural ministry strikes again. Rural ministry strikes again, yep. Um, He's getting his hands dirty. Probably not really. No. But he is participating in the burial Mm -hmm. of someone who is not connected to our church, but who he, because he serves as a volunteer softball coach, got connected to somebody in the community who did not have a pastor who could do this. So they said, hey, I heard you're a pastor. Would you do this? Mm. So he's now getting to share the gospel with a whole bunch of people who otherwise might not have heard it. So that's really cool. So we commend you, our dear brother, who clearly will listen to this episode, right? Probably on his way home. Yep. I know I would. Yeah, I think so. Mm (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh Well, on this episode, we are talking about continuing education. Now, I used to be a school teacher, and this was an important topic. In fact, there was a state act, like a, a mandate, mandate. Yeah. Mm, that said you have to do so many hours of continuing education every single year. And I actually liked it. I mean, it's annoying to have to go out and do that and turn in paperwork and etc. But I like the fact that you should continue growing in whatever profession you're in. However, being a rural pastor, man, education is a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, Some might really feel that being in a rural place, eh, what you're doing out here doesn't matter quite as much. You don't have to set such a high bar. Mm -hmm. We've certainly seen that. What are some other things people might think of?
1: Well, busyness. Yeah, I'm too busy. You know, I, I... I have, especially for bivocational guys, like they're working uh, part-time or full-time job while pastoring, how on earth are they gonna be able to fit in further education, whether it's through some of the means we're gonna talk about today, different types of further education, how, when can they do that when they're trying to serve their church, their families, and their employer?
0: Mm-hmm. Even if you're not bivocational, the demands of full-time ministry are so significant, it's hard to think about squeezing something in there extra. Now,
1: not 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 to mention too, I mean, we there's often the presupposition that rural means less intelligent. Mm. So I'm pastoring people that may not have PhDs. Right. So then do I need to continue my education to serve them?
0: And they might just be glad to have you and not even be thinking about the fact that you have an education. Right. And it could be that no one's urging you to continue your education because they, they're happy with what they've got. And they might even see that as a distraction or worse, as something that will set you up to be more to marketable. Move yeah, right? move on. To move on. Yeah, this is just a stepping stone. They could be afraid of that. Yep. So the co- first question we need to ask is, should a rural pastor be thinking about continuing his education? And I don't care what education level you started with. We have a dear friend who's been on the podcast before in Pennsylvania who has received no level of formal education beyond high school. That's where he stopped. So. Should he, you know, jump in where he's at and continue pursuing something else? Should a pastor who's been to seminary uh, and earned an MDiv start thinking, should I get a D-man or a PhD? Mm. Should those guys who have done those things be thinking, what can I do to get more education? To all of that, I personally, not the Lord, as Paul would say, would say, I think so. Mm -hmm. It seems like a wise idea. And I think there's actually a little scripture to back it up. Mm. Would you like to hear some? Please. All right. Proverbs one five. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. Mm-hmm. So I don't think this is saying sign up. You know, at Southern the Southern Theological Baptist Southern the Baptist, Southern Baptist you. Theological Seminary. I can say it right. <laughs> Eventually, um, should you know? I, I lost my train of thought, Josh. Oh yeah, it's not saying you necessarily have to go to. A place like that, you know, that's not what what the Word is getting at, but there is a sense in which we should be increasing or adding to our learning, and that means getting somehow some additional education. Do you have any verses over there on your machine?
1: Yeah, 1 Timothy 4, Paul is talking to his protege and young pastor Timothy. Says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Mm. So there should be progress in our service as pastors, as elders, um, That service might look like what Paul says in verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. So, you know, you're progressing in your ability to shepherd the flock, you're progressing in your ability to handle the word, like you're keeping a close watch on yourself and the teaching. And uh, Paul gives, and Dr. Whitney, speaking of Southern, points this out, this is the only promise, I think, that is given in Scripture that an action will bring about salvation. And he says, persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Not that Timothy's somehow earning his own salvation or the salvation of his congregants, but God intends to use his faithfulness and his Mm. progress to share the gospel.
0: Yeah, so we absolutely should be progressing. And one of the surest ways to progress is to study. And I think we'll get to this in a little bit, but it's helpful to study When there are stakes involved, Mm -hmm. not just not meat, although that does help me study as well. But studying when you're going to be held accountable by someone else and you're going to have to interact with the material in a way that causes you to defend your position and explain how you're growing. Um, Another verse that I thought was helpful is Colossians 3.23 whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. So if you're going to work at something with all your heart, you know those things that you're invested in at the heart level, you pursue, you develop, you grow in, you spend time with, you interact with. And so if we're going to work at our labor as pastors with all of our hearts, there should be progress, there should be development, there should be growth, there should be... A desire and a hunger to learn more and to not, uh, not just be satisfied mm-hmm. with where we're at. So then you get down to some really hard questions like, well, how in the world do I do this? Right. Josh, you have some really good ideas about this, I heard.
1: Well, I thought of three and maybe the first one actually you thought of, but it seems the, the, the most, the, what do we call it, low-hanging fruit? And that's just sure. reading. Mm. Reading, probably a breadth and width and depth. We're not talking about the love of Jesus, but in his kindness, revealing these things to us. So just reading, um, reading, I would say theology uh, from different, and what I meant with by different depth and width is time timelines, different authors, like reading the church fathers, reading the Puritans, reading modern day authors. You know, I think. In in certain church movements, we get stuck on newly published books, and we often neglect the the wisdom of saints from before. I know I neglected even just the whole discipline of church history Mm. uh, growing up, so we need to be reading.
0: Although you've taught American history from the pulpit.
1: (laughs) Yes. uh, Yeah, that might have happened this past Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh,
0: If you want to learn about war... (laughs) talk to josh it's hard
1: you're a history major you know (laughs) it just comes to your mind and you're like this would be great and then "Eh, maybe that wasn't so great um but so reading but just remember
0: war and snore rhyme
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay reading um reading not just for the sake of enjoyment but actually challenging yourself um i think is useful it's low-hanging fruit uh there i mean there's thousands of millions of books published, Uh, certainly theological works, especially in the English language. I think Mm -hmm. of like brothers who serve, like we have brothers in Uganda, you have brothers that you've met in Mexico, and they just don't have theological resources like we do translated uh, in their language. So, it's just such a rich thing we have to be able to read these books.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, the way you can get a little more mileage out of that yeah. is to read it with other people. Yeah. So read it with your leaders. You know, sit down with your leaders and just say, hey, we're not going to study on what it means to be an elder or whatever. We're going to go through this book on church history, or we're going to think about this theological principle. Yeah, this, like
1: systematic the- theology.
0: Yeah, anything like that. <clears throat> study yeah. that with your el- elders or your leadership team. Study it with other brothers from the church. Sit down in a group of three or four and read through a book together. Go one-on-one. Meet up with a pastor from another church, mm-hmm. read through books. But find somebody to read a book with, yeah, good. and you'll get a lot more uh, juice out of the lemon. Two
1: two ways I've seen this practiced well. Actually, our brother in Williamsport, Raphael, had a group of young men that our intern, Trevor, was a part of before coming up here. Uh, they had read both volumes of Husto Gonzalez's um, history, church history volumes. He he sums up church history to the present day in two volumes. They read both of them, and they were both my textbooks in my church history classes, and they're like beasts. Mm. And Trevor had said um, the numbers began to dwindle as they continued, but at the end, there was like a core group of four dudes with Raph. And then we've also read books together as, as pastors when we gather in our equip groups. Um, I remember when I first came, we were reading, uh, I think, a Nine Marks book on the church. So definitely possible. Um, and, uh, just a really sweet resource. So, Absolutely. secondly,
0: workshops, workshops or other local events that yeah. you might find in semi in your region. We when I go ahead after you, well,
1: we didn't say conferences too. Mm. We said workshops. That's right. Because I think the workshop part is you actually engage in the learning. True. Um, as we were even talking about our own Sunday schools, we were thinking, how do we move this just from lecture or preaching to actually engaging? Because the more you engage with the material, uh, whether it's not it's a it's a homework assignment, the more you're going to remember. So in workshops, uh, instead of just conferences going and hearing guys preach to you, which obviously is useful and helpful, when you go to a workshop type event, you're engaging in the material with more than just listening. Mm-hmm. Um, so,
0: yeah, and. You may have to drive a while for this. Mm -hmm. So this might be something that you just do once or twice a year Mm -hmm. where you can get plugged in with some guys. Like if you're in the New England states, the guys that have small town summits, those would just be golden for you. And I would highly encourage you to attend. If you're around Pennsylvania, New York, Ohio, West Virginia, Maryland, uh, we're in driving distance to most of those places. And we have something we can offer. As a matter of fact, I didn't even think about this until right now. But, oh, you did. I you did put it right on there. there. We're having a Nightmarks workshop here September 22 and 23. And Raymond Johnson, our dear friend, who we used to think looked like Josh until we met him. And they don't look that no, much. The resemblance alike. is not much there. No, it's not. No. But they could be distant cousins. And um, also, Phil Newton, who is just a wonderful pastor, and he's become kind of a, a shepherd of shepherds, written a lot of really helpful material. I am so thrilled to know that those guys are coming here. Yep. And if you're, I mean, you can come from anywhere. There are airports around us. We're happy to help you coordinate that. If you're listening and you want to know more, you can go over to our um, Rural Pastors Coalition Facebook page and reach out to us there. But uh, we would love to have you come to this Nine Marks workshop where we are going to be drilling down on some of the essentials mm-hmm. of pastoral ministry. Um, the link for that's in the show notes, guys. All you right, there. very good. If you're around D.C., of course, the Nine Marks uh, Weekenders are just one of the sweetest things that you could go to. Uh, they There are guys that fly in from as far away as possible from mm-hmm. there, from all around the world. You should make effort to get there. If you've not been there before, just go to their website, check it out. You can find it on there somewhere. Uh, and then there's lots of regional things like this. I know out in Arizona, there's a really good Gospel Coalition chapter there that's really active um, but look around in your region, look for things that you know have good theology, like a, a TGC event or um, Simeon's Trust. Mm-hmm. They're all over now. The Charles Simeon Trust, that workshop is just so good. Nothing has helped my preaching more than that. And I every time I've been to one, I have learned a tremendous amount.
1: And I think that's the the sweet thing about Simeon's trust is that it's not you, you, it's just not one and done. Like uh, they use the example of spring training. Regardless of whether or not you're in the Hall of Fame or you're a rookie, you go to spring training. Mm-hmm. So even if you've gone to, I mean, you're gonna, you're about to go to your fourth, our Sunday Night Theology speaker we just had, who was a guest way back, Peter Kroll, he's going to his eighth or ninth, and he said it's like spring training. Like, I know the essentials, but yeah. continuing to go back and getting the encouragement from the brothers, participating in the small groups, um, spending more time in different biblical genres, focusing on them has been useful, and he'll probably continue to go until the lord calls him home. Yeah.
0: That's um, right. And let me say rural pastor, I hear you. I know you're busy. I know that it's hard to find the time in your schedule and I know that there's a cost there. And I'm going to say this, even if you are in a church situation where like they don't have a budget for you to do some of these things, save up some money, ask for christmas presents, ask for birthday cash, whatever, and find a way to get to some of these events, you'll find encouragement there. You will find relationships develop there that really help spur you on man that's one of the best parts about Simeon trust or the Nine Mark stuff is I've made a lot of friends mm-hmm. who I can call with questions or just send a text to or I get texts from guys that tell me they're praying for me on Sunday mornings uh, and then it also helps you to see the broader work of the Lord in a region in a nation and around the world I met a guy from um, that country we're not allowed to go to um, where the Judsons were Help me.
1: Help me, Josh. I'm in I'm in a missiology class right now. Uh, Adam and I Johnson went to Burma. Burma, thank you, but yeah. it's not called that anymore, right? No, it's... Um, oh, Myanmar. Yes.
0: Yes, I met a brother from Myanmar, and we continue to connect through Facebook at one of these events. So literally someone I never would have been able to meet, but I can now see the work of the Lord in that part of the country through this brother mm-hmm. who I connected mm-hmm. with at an event. So there's a lot of value not just the education but the relationships that you develop in those settings as well. Yeah. Then there's the big one Josh. The big one. The the S bomb seminary seminary. Yes. Which I we often you often say you're in. And I, in. I often say I'm in too. You're more in than I am though. <laughs> I'm enrolled.
1: I have I have slightly uh, different um responsibilities than you as yeah, you're taking a classes. pastoral assistant. In a <laughs> oh, at the in church? A, yeah, I meant, yeah.
0: I take classes when I can. Yeah, yeah. But it's very, very slow. Yep, I'm on the thousand-year track. It's called the Meth- Methuselah track. <laughs> Midwestern has that. <laughs> yes, Midwestern That's Methuselah funny. track. <laughs> you can take that uh, if you want to. Um, should guys go to seminary? Rural pastors? It depends. On? Uh, I would say the
1: status of your, I mean, brothers, you got to take inventory and actually think if seminary is a possibility, you can afford it financially or figure out a way to afford it financially, uh, your is behind you and willing to support you and you can squeeze the time in, then I would encourage it. Yes. Yeah. Um, it is, it is a useful tool. Uh, I used to think seminary was church was for the seminary. Uh, but really seminaries for the church And God has called you and equipped you
0: What? You used to be at a seminary that said that For the church
1: Oh, well yeah, yeah Now you're not now I just I'm found not. irony in that statement <laughs> Okay, I was like, did I say it wrong? <laughs> yeah I'm, um, s- I'm
0: still at that seminary That's yes, for the church Yes I don't know uh, what yours is for pride, uh, it's for your pride I get,
1: there's four things For the church For the for the gospel For something else For the glory of God And for your status <laughs> Cause it says V in the, that's in the right. Yeah. Um, but man, what was I even talking about? Oh no. Now I know how Joe feels How you used to you think banter. That- oh yeah. So, um, God is calling and equipping you. He is giving you gifts. Seminary is meant to sharpen the tools that he's gifted you with. And man, they really do sharpen. Um, so you need to take inventory and consider if, if this is something that you have the ability to do, then I would highly encourage it. Um, what I will say though is, don't expect, especially if you're in full time ministry, if you can crank it out in three years or four years, whatever the normal track is, that's fine. Be content to get it done as you're able. Like TJ said, um, I was originally on the three year track. Now I'm probably on the six year track. Ooh. I'm working on the eight year track. Like I've been, I've been in classes with guys that have said, "This is my last class." I have been plugging through this for eight years, but mm-hmm. I'm almost done. Mm-hmm. And, uh the reward that comes from just continuing to plug away and plug away um, like
0: job offers and stuff what do you mean is that the
1: reward no Hi- I, Higher I'm salaries th-
0: <laughs> no, no
1: articles no it's sharpened tools to be able to serve Christ's people better oh um, and I, I really think I really think it's valuable um, now I was in a I was in a point where we didn't have any kids and I was able to actually support raise my tuition which was a huge blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am continuing to plug away and it's not, it's, I was hoping to be done in the spring of next year. It's probably not going to happen. Um, but I'm going to continue to plug away as God allows. And, uh, I, I have seen dividends come from certain classes like my Greek classes, even though the the discipline with Greek is suffering more than it probably should. Um, that was valuable personal evangelism, a simple class, but in the midst of, pursuing church planning, super valuable. I'm about to take a, a, a class on, at least I think I am on, um, world religions and the Christian worldview, which going to be really interesting as I engage more with more and more people who have an animistic pagan ideology that comes forth. So it is, it is so valuable if you have the ability to do it. That's so good. Maybe something to pray about, maybe something to talk to your wife about. Uh, talk to your your elders or your leaders about what would it look like for me to be able to pursue an education. It might not even need to be an MDiv. You know, I know guys, I know pastors who have masters. Um, you could you can pursue certificates. I know
0: certificates exist out there at seminaries. So mm. yeah,
1: the options are there.
0: Now, if you're listening and you you have an MDiv, you're going, phew, I'm good. I still think you should pick up a class every now and then and take it. Uh, an example at Midwestern, and I'm not promoing Midwestern, but they have a church administration class that I think every pastor needs to take. Now, it will give you diarrhea. 100%. I
1: you were taking that. Yeah. I think right when I was hired as a PA, okay. I remember you talking about it. You're yeah. like this class is nuts.
0: Yeah, and it basically says everyone's a crook and you've probably stolen money from the church and don't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to go to jail and maybe hell. So, <laughs> uh which is why I think everyone needs to take the church administration class so that you can avoid those terrible yeah. fates. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Um, certainly the last one. <laughs> but you know, things like that you're not going to ever go out and pick up a book on that and get through it and make changes, but you walk through that with a class which feels sort of like a cohort. You sit down and write things in the discussion board and get some responses and you have to think about some laws. You have to bookmark a bunch of resources that are helpful that I actually have gone back to. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some good stuff that comes out of those and I would recommend occasionally just picking up a class taking it and maybe you slowly add those to your bucket over time and eventually you come out with a degree maybe you don't the degree is never the point Mm -hmm. sometimes it feels like the point and i'll just be transparent to say sometimes not having an mdiv in a room full of mdivs you can feel a little less than than everyone else and you know i don't think anybody thinks that and i think also if they do shame on them Mm -hmm. um because it's not about the degree, it's about the willingness to study. Now, that sounds like somebody who doesn't have an MDiv that wants to defend themselves, and maybe it is, the Lord knows my heart. But, you know, I, I would say if you are pursuing wisdom and you are growing in the essentials of what it re, what is required of a pastor, learning to handle the word faithfully, that's number one. Mm-hmm. But then learning to shepherd, uh, learning to deal with things like administration and some of those things. So you have that whole range of things you would cover in seminary. If you are getting some touch points with those things and growing and making progress, I think you're in good shape. Um, I got to a point where my elders and my wife said, you should probably just slow down or maybe take a break. The elders have said, hey, maybe someday we'll do a sabbatical where you can go take a bunch of classes and knock them out. Yeah. Um, but for now, my number one priority is to preach the word, shepherd the flock, um, train leaders. And we have a lot of involvement in our region, and I'm stretched pretty thin. And to try to squeeze something in there mm-hmm. like that is hard. Would it be valuable? Oh, man, so valuable. Yeah. But is it the number one priority at the moment? I don't think so. And you're just going to have yeah, to think about okay. You're going to have to think about your situation and at least pray through it. Yep. You know, you don't just land on I'm too busy and I don't have the money or the time. Well, that would be the too busy part. So I redundant I redundantize myself. Uh, I don't think you can just look at that and go, yeah, it's not in the cards. I think you need to prayerfully consider, should I take some seminary classes or not? Um, I think you I think it's almost non-negotiable to to say that you should get involved in some local things and some reading and trying to invest so that you can add knowledge, add wisdom, um, so that you can progress Mm -hmm. and grow in these areas. What you should not do is just be content to say, "Eh, I think I'm good where I'm at right now, wherever you're starting from you should say, no, I need to. I need that continuing education. I need to grow. There's a reason that the state makes school teachers do that. Uh, it is good for those who are recipients of our instruction to have us growing in our own wisdom mm-hmm. and knowledge. I'll tell you something else. I just taught a Sunday school class a couple weeks ago, a systematic theology class. I had studied that systematic theology before. Uh, it was just on the existence and then some of the... Attributes of God and really broad brush communicable versus incommunicable attributes. And I learned some things just studying for that class, which I was really encouraged by. So keep growing, keep studying, keep learning. It's always
1: good to have your presuppositions challenged every once in a while, too. Mm -hmm. It helps affirm your convictions and you're just reminded, yes, this is why I believe what I believe. This is what the word says. Yeah, it's good. That's right.
0: Well, I uh, hope that's encouraging to you. I hope it doesn't feel like a heavy burden. Just be thinking and praying and asking for the Lord's help as you navigate this. Mm-hmm. And go serve your king. Wait. Ah. And raise your Ebenezer. Ah. not supposed to say either of those things. We got trademarked. We're we going to get flagged. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We've had that happen a few times at church. Hey, um, please do consider coming over here on September 22 and 23 for our... Nine Marks Workshop. It is just going to be a sweet time, and it would be a great opportunity to get to know some of you. Yeah, I remember when we did this a few years ago. We just got to know a lot of guys in our region and develop some deeper relationships, and it was really super encouraging. Uh, and we'd love to have you be part of that. This would be a great way to connect, and also for you to connect with guys like Raymond uh, and Phil. And yeah, you'll you'll be blessed by being a part of it. So come on down. We'd love to have you. Bye-bye. Bye.